At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome, everyone, to Tracks Through Time. I am your host and FreightWaves Deputy Editor, Brielle Jekyll, and I'm here to tell you about some of the most interesting stories throughout history in transportation and freight. And today I'm here again with Mary O'Connell, our fellow FreightWaves TV host. And today we are diving deep into the haunting tale of Flight 19, uh, a routine navigational training flight that transforms into a baffling mystery right in the heart of the Bermuda Triangle. I am so excited for this today, Brielle. We have, um, first of all, it's always a pleasure to come back and get a story told to me because you teach me so many things. And honestly, this is one of my favorite shows, my my own aside. But um, I'm excited today because this is the Bermuda Triangle, a routine training flight. And, um, you know, everything else that just, you know, makes for such a great conspiracy theory. So, Let's get into it. It's super fun. I I love learning about the Bermuda Triangle, whether or not um, there is actual scientific explanations for this stuff or whether it is all spooky paranormal. Um, I think it's a perfect episode for kind of like a soft, soft opening of spooky season, um, you know, because I think we're going to dive into a lot of spooky and mysterious um, stories for the month of October. Um, but welcome to uh, post Labor Day, everyone. Um, so yeah, we're we're gonna first start off with the introduction of the Bermuda Triangle itself. So for those of you who have never heard of the Bermuda Triangle, um, it's an enigmatic region nestled within the vast expanse of the Atlantic Ocean, and it's long been a source of fascination and mystery. It's a triangular stretch of water that's earned its notoriety during a series of perplexing disappearances involving ships, aircrafts, and a lot of people as well. Over the years, a wide array of theories have emerged, each attempting to kind of explain the unexplained, because a lot of things that have happened in the Bermuda Triangle just are unsolved. So some of these theory, theories veer into the realm of the fantastical, um, you know, involving extraterrestrial uh, abductions, the lost continent of Atlantis, and some vortexes transporting objects to alternative dimensions. But yet, um, I kind of like the I like the I like the idea of the aliens because, as we all know, uh, aliens are real, and the entire uh, you know country just decided to go okay next um so maybe this is their home base and they've just been hiding it for forever um and we've just been passing it off i know we have been waiting for disclosure for so long and it's finally here but is it maybe this i don't know maybe in a few years when we have full disclosure we'll actually get the true story of what we're talking about today but as far as we know 
Um, we don't have any answers for a lot of the stuff that happened in the Purina Triangle. Um, and it's believed that it is a place where the magnetic compass uh, sometimes points to true north, which adds an extra layer of intrigue to um, this crazy area in the deep um, because they think that, you know, that magnetic true north might confuse people and to think where confuse them on where they actually are. And then that's why we have so many disappearances. So it's also known as the Devil's Triangle. And while we don't exactly know why the Devil's Triangle really does hold so many mysteries or what even happened in these stories, the area is still super fascinating and it's home to a lot of speculation. So our one such mystery is our topic for today. So hold on tight as we nosedive into the story of Flight 19. I love a good airline pun. Let's go. I'm proud of it. I love it. I was going to give you some snaps for it. Mm. We love that. All right, let's nosedive on in. We're nosediving right in. All right. So I'll get my spooky voice on. It was December 5th, 1945, just a regular day. Shortly after 2 p.m., five TBM Avenger torpedo bombers led by the seasoned naval aviator Lieutenant Charles Taylor took off from the U.S. Naval Air Station in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. They were embarking on a routine training mission known as Flight 19. Now, I will say that the flight is often uh, miscategorized uh, as a patrol and it's in fact not it was not a patrol. Sometimes this story is referred to as the lost patrol, but that's actually not true. It was a training mis- mission. So while well, like the lost training mission doesn't really have the same like ring to it, but like the lost patrol. Right. <laughs> that that that's that's a much better, you know, cinematic. Yeah. Experience. And as things tend to have happened in, you know, earlier decades um, we tend we have found out that a lot of people would just kind of print news before getting the facts so they could be the first to the story. So that's why a lot of our history in the past is is not actually what it seems. And we, we find new things out every day once we actually research it. So that's one of those things that happen. Um, um, so while Lieutenant Charles Taylor was very, very seasoned, he was with students and other, you know, various le- levels of, you know, training um, in the military. And so their mission was pretty straightforward. They were just supposed to navigate to various points in the Atlantic Ocean and then return safely to base. But as the squadron set out on their journey, the weather was confirmed to be relatively favorable with only a few scattered showers on the horizon. Their mission involved flying east from the Florida coast conducting bombing runs at a location called Hens and Chicken Shoals, which I now want to visit because that sounds fun. Um, and does that place does that place actually exist in real life? Like, does it still exist today? Like, could we go have a live episode? So I just kind of assumed that it was like an area where a lot of like feral hens and chickens are. Um, I'm on board. And, oh, yeah. Right here. Hen, hen and Chicken Sanctuary Pres- Preservation Area in the Keys. Oh, yeah. Play- oh, oh, road trip. Keys. Okay. Yeah. So so basically, this area is, is, is off a little bit of um, uh, Plantation Key. And so um, they then turned north 
and proceeded over Grand Bahama Island before returning. This was they were supposed to return to the NAS Fort Lauderdale. Well, the first leg of the flight went really smoothly. Uh, they dropped practice bombs without any incidents. It was business as usual. A fishing boat captain working near the area even recalled seeing three or four airplanes flying east at approximately 1,500 hours or 3 p.m. Um, however, as they began to turn north for the second leg of their journey, something ominous started to unfold. At approximately 3.45 p.m., the Fort Lauderdale flight tower received a chilling message from Lieutenant Charles Taylor himself, and his voice carried a hint of confusion and worried worry. Um, one report explains that Taylor said, both my compasses are out and I'm trying to find Fort Lauderdale, Florida. His voice sounded more and more anxious. And then he said he was over land, but it's broken. He said, I'm sure I'm in the Florida Keys, but I don't know how far down I am. Now, if you remember, he was off the coast of Plantation Key, but now he's saying he's still in the Keys after an hour of flying north. So what they think happened is that he was actually on the Bahama Islands over here and just confused it. Um, so the, the flight being in the Keys made little to no sense because he, it was, he was confirmed to have flown over hens and chicken shoals less than an hour or, or an, an hour, a whole hour prior to this. So some thought maybe that he was confusing the islands. Uh, and then more discussion took place over what to do and which way to fly. Some reports even say that men aboard could be heard disagreeing with his decision on where to go. There was discussion on whether to fly east or west because protocol at this time, if you became lost in, in the Atlantic Ocean and unsure of your whereabouts, you were supposed to just fly west until you found ground. So there was debate over what to do, but he was so sure that he was in certain areas that he actually wasn't. This could have been, you know, some of the reasons why they became distressed. But the story takes kind of a, a, a very dramatic turn when they hear him say, cannot seem land. We seem to be off course. And his voice was very unstable. He was very, very scared. And then it was just static. The tower responded desperately. They were trying to assist, asking for his position, but there was only silence. So they they anxiously scanned the horizon where the planes were supposed to be, but there was no sign of them. Finally, they heard from the plane again after about 10 minutes. But it wasn't Taylor's voice. It was another pilot, and he delivered an even more unnerving message. We can't find West. Everything is wrong. We can't be sure of any direction. Everything looks strange, even the ocean. So they started to panic. Flight 19 was lost, disoriented, and the situation was deteriorating rapidly. After a bewildering 20 minutes of radio silence, a trembling and almost hysterical voice came through the airwaves. So we're just rising and rising in, in panic. And the new, still unknown to this day who it was, the new pilot struggled to articulate their dire circumstances. During another delay, tower personnel learned from intercepted transmission that the original flight leader, Ta Lieutenant Taylor, had turned over his command to another pilot for unknown reasons. But we still, to this day, don't know why that happened. And we still don't know who the other pilot was. And he says to the tower again, we can't tell where we are. Everything is, can't make out anything. We think we may be about 20, 225 miles northeast of base, the new flight leader said. 
He rambled on incoherently before uttering the last words ever heard from Flight 19. It looks like we're entering Whitewater. We're completely lost. Within minutes, the Fort Lauderdale flight tower sprung into action. Two PVM Mariner flying boats were dispatched for a rescue mission. They were headed for Flight 19's last known estimated position. But what happened next would only deepen the mystery. Ten minutes into the rescue flight, one of those planes checked in with the tower and then silence. We're on our way to their last known position, the Mariner said, but then they were never heard from again. For five agonizing days, the Coast Guard, the Navy, the Naval Aviation personnel scoured more than 250,000 square miles of Atlantic and Gulf waters. They searched for any sign, aviators, wreckage, life rafts, even an oil slick, but they found nothing, absolutely nothing. So they launched an investigation uh, and the, the answers remain very elusive. The board's report is said to be summed up in one statement. We are not able to even make a good guess as to what happened. They have no clue what could have possibly happened. During but what happened? Oh, it's so scary. But other once the report was released, um, or when people started combing through it, uh, through the investigation, they found um some other evidence. Um, but then that evidence has has gone back and forth. So they, they discovered a crucial radio conversation between Lieutenant Charles Taylor and fellow Navy pilot Robert F. Cox, who was a senior flight instructor. He was not um, a part of Flight 19, but he was a part. He was in the air in the area doing, you know, on a different plane, doing the same routine um, training exercise. The conversation uh, was unearthed from the Board of Investigation Records. It shed light on the dire circumstances the last transmission from Flight 19 to him occurred at 19.04. So that would be about 6 o'clock. Um, while, uh, while Lieutenant Cox was still in contact with them, through their, their signal was growing weaker. Uh, Cox expressed a strong desire to search for the squadron at this point, but NAS Fort Lauderdale officials completely advised against it, fearing the, the loss of yet another pilot. So intriguingly, the control tower at NAS Fort Lauderdale had a ready plane prepared for search and rescue at the location of Flight 19's last transmission, but they chose to ground all planes instead. Within the crew, um, Captain Powers and Ensign Bossy held together a higher rank than the squadron leader, but was still a student on the Avenger. This is Captain Powers, that is. He attempted to communicate with Taylor, suggesting corrections to their course course, but initially, Ca Captain Charles Taylor was deemed guilty of mental aberration. So at first, it seemed as though they were trying to pin this on him uh, and his mental state. And his mother, Catherine Taylor, took matters into her own hands, and she launched an inv investigation, ultimately leading to Charles Taylor's exoneration in 1947, so a few years after the incident by the board for the correction of naval records regarding responsibility for the loss of lives and the naval aircraft. Theories about what you say? That is that is absolutely wild. Like me, I don't even know what mental aberration would mean other than just like he, he snapped. Yeah, you see it in a lot of these stories where they kind of just try to blame the pilot, the captain. I mean, in my Derbyshire episode, they tried to blame it on uh, a mistake not having this certain hatch closed right and that's why they they sunk 
Um, but that's always like the go-to. And then after fur- further um, investigations, we usually find out it was something more. Um, thankfully for her uh, hard work, she was able to exonerate him, um, which we're, we're happy to see. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, it didn't stop uh, theories. You know, her exonerating him only made it more of a speculation and more of um, a, uh, you know, mystery. So theories about what actually happened range from the paranormal uh, and, you know, conspiracy theories from inside the Navy uh, to simply just an unfortunate accident. But a lot of people believe that the crew was victim to an alien abduction or were simply gobbled up by the Bermuda Triangle And some even speculate that they traveled to another dimension or a parallel universe. Um, I would like to believe that they went to a parallel universe where it's just all full of puppies and ice cream. Yes. And that's how they live. Yes. In which case, sign me up for Mm -hmm. that parallel universe. I mean, I need some pumpkin beer in October, but so I'll do puppies and pumpkin beer. That's fine. There you go. But I mean, I think that that's, I mean, you know, the Spider-Man into the multiverse is real. So why wouldn't, maybe the Bermuda Triangle is the door into our multiverse. It really, truly could be. Um, And while uh, the actual story could very well have a non-paranormal explanation, the weird circumstances around the disappearance keep piling up. So, for instance... I, I had my story kind of wrapped up and then I, kind of, I I found more sources that kind of convoluted the whole thing. So, for instance, the History Channel reported that Lieutenant Taylor, um, that witnesses claimed later that he arrived to Flight 19's pre-exercise briefing several minutes late and requested to be exclu- excused from leading the mission. I just want, don't want to take this one out, he said. No one knows what caused him to say this. Um, no one has any idea why or what it meant um but a lot of people believe that that means um he must have not been fit for duty um and that it could this could be why they caused they they designated the reason as guilty of mental aberration um but for you know people who love to speculate and think about what else could have happened for me this makes me think well maybe he felt something and he knew um you know, you never know. But as it is, 14 men were lost as a result of the Flight 19 tragedy and 13 more were lost during the ill-fated uh, PBM Mariner rescue mission and the Bermuda Triangle had claimed its victims once again. And we still to this day have no answers. I mean, I really wonder if there are more instances of planes and boats and everything disappearing in the Bermuda Triangle or if it's just like if they disappear in there like they, they just gone so like because like in other in other areas like you know you can find wreckage a lot easier i guess right um so it's so the navy and the and the uh national ocean this <laughs> is uh national ocean atmospheric thank you, thank you. <laughs> no uh they heavily insist that it is just, you know, a, a really dangerous area that, yes, there's some magnetic stuff going on and, you know, people get lost all the time. Um, and Britannica would like everyone to know that, uh, did you know that the Bermuda Triangle has heavy daily traffic that travels perfectly safely through the area all the time? 
But like, what about underneath the ocean? Like, is there just a bunch of shipwreck or is it just like a perfectly pristinely clean ocean? Because if it's a a perfectly pristinely clean, like ocean bottom, like, I don't, I don't want to be in that. Like, that's, that's, that's shady enough. Like there at least has to be like, you know, a plastic bag down there because heaven forbid humans do anything next. Right. So actually, I do know that there's at least... Okay, yeah. 50 ships and 20 airplanes are said to have mysteriously disappeared in the area. Um, But the boundaries haven't really been agreed upon because it's like not really an actual territory. Um, It's actually, I think it was, uh, it came from a man, an author referred to it as the um, Bermuda Triangle in 1974. So that's kind of so when this happened, they they didn't even know um, like the the popularity of the Bermuda Triangle wasn't all over the place. So this is kind of just like a like it happened to be in this area that later on became super popular. So basically, you can't get a whole bunch of people to agree on an urban legend. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's just showing us that um, it it. it to me, it's supporting the theory that something weird even happened because they get lost in the Bermuda Triangle before the Bermuda Triangle was even like a a, a <laughs> cultural phenomenon. I like it, though. I mean, it is weird because you think that like the people that are doing these training missions, it's not their first day out there. It's They've been in the military. They've been doing these missions for a while. So they they have training that just kicks in automatically. Like that's the whole thing of the military is that, you know what, no matter what happens, like there are training, there are things in place that you fall back on. So it's very interesting that they weren't able to do that, especially someone who has been in, especially for the lieutenant who's been in the military for quite a while. That's weird that like, you know, not even that could pull them out. Yeah, I will say though, like I want to really get wrapped up in the, you know, mystery of it all. And, you know, but you know, my, my brother is stationed out in Coronado and he's in the Navy and he just recently last year lost friends to what essentially was the same thing that happened. They just had an answer. They know what happened. Um, but yeah, they were doing a training exercise and and they crashed. And unfortunately, um, they some didn't make it, but they had an answer for that versus right. they got completely lost. There's room for speculation. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> You know, we we just love a good urban. We we love a good urban legend. You know, maybe some maybe that's where Nessie came from and Bigfoot. They came from the Bermuda Triangle. Don't get me started on Nessie. We'll be here all day. <laughs> we don't have enough time of the day for that one. Maybe we can some. Maybe the next. Ep- maybe one of the Halloween episodes should be Nessie, and you know, we could talk about how she carries freight across the lakes of Scotland. Oh, so just completely made up fiction. You want me to do? Okay, yeah, I can do that. It's a spooky story, pasta. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'll do a creepy pasta episode. Who wants that? <laughs> I'll take it. I will absolutely do it, and I will watch it as many times as I physically can. All right, let me give you some other fun facts because I, I found some cool stuff here. Yeah, hit me with a fun fact. I didn't come prepared with fun facts. I know. Time, I really so. thought you would give us the gonna... lowdown on the Bermuda Triangle. I mean, the best I have is like compasses and like, you know, just explaining away the Bermuda Triangle because North and True North are different. So that's why people can get confused with their compasses. But like, that's a boring fun fact. It's not a real one. Well, I will like I kind of mentioned this before, but the Bermuda Triangle does not appear on any world maps um, and it's not recognized as an official region of the Atlantic. Um, 
But the, yeah, the phrase Bermuda Triangle didn't come into use until 1964. And then it wasn't until the 70s. That was an article from Vincent Gaddis. And then in the 70s is when it became popularized after it was in a book called The Bermuda Triangle. Um, and it that had that started talking about the lost island of Atlantis. So it, it kind of got caught up more in the fervor. Um, which again, I just think they were already thinking that this incidence was so weird before it was e- the Bermuda Triangle was even a thing. <laughs> um, and oh, there's the, the Gulf Stream. Oh, they also think this is what I thought was really interesting. They also think that it's it, it has something to do with a lot of methane gas in the area that can like mess with you. So that could be another another thing. Maybe the methane gas got inside the plane and the guy already had the yips about the day and it just got in his head and he was like he was done. He flew them into a different direction. So then the new pilot took over and saved, tried to save everyone, but it was too late. Yeah. Not ready here first. We've we've officially solved this the yeah. problem of lightning too. Okay, one last one last interesting fact, and then we'll wrap up. So the deepest point in the Atlantic Ocean is called the Milwaukee Depth. And it's located in the Bermuda Triangle, um, and it's uh, it reaches a depth of two hundred and seventy. I'm sorry, <clears throat> and it reaches a depth of twenty seven thousand four hundred and ninety three feet, or eight thousand three hundred and eighty meters. Um, and that's at the bottom of the Milwaukee depth. It's crazy, huh? Exactly. I mean, that could be another cause for all of the 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 phenomenon that happens there. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you again. That marks the end of our episode for today. Another fun but goofy one. Uh, our favorite. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And the big thanks to the Naval History and Heritage Command for most of our information today, as well as Britannica and the History Channel. Um, and the National Ocean Service is uh, yeah, uh, where we got our insight. For National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration. As part of the National Sur- Ocean Service is where I got the info from the Bermuda Triangle. All right. And like always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jake O'Brien to see what else we have going on at Freightwaves Classics. And you can email me at bjakel at freightwaves.com. Tune in uh, in two weeks for our next episode on Freightwaves TV. Bye.